we are back after so, so long with another episode of Spinster vs. Spinster. This is one that I think I chose. Um, Jess and I don't often, often disagree on films passionately anyways, but on this we do. So today's movie is 2012's Sinister. New details today in the grisly murders of a local family found earlier this week. I didn't want to move here. We couldn't afford to live in the old house anymore. Plus, the new story I'm writing is here. Is the story a good one this time? I'm going to write the best book that anybody's ever read. I got a really good feeling about this. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Family hanging out. Barbecue 79. That's the family who lived here. You think these are serial murders? I don't know. The first one I found dates back to the 60s. The only link between all these cases is the symbol. The symbol is associated with a pagan deity named Bagul. He consumes the souls of human children. Christians believe that Bagul actually lived in the images themselves and that they were gateways into his realm. Children exposed to the images were especially vulnerable to Bagul's abduction. Sweetheart, what are you doing? Painting. I wanted to paint her picture. Who are you talking about? Stephanie. She used to live here. What's happened? Get the kids, pack the car. We have to leave here now. Sinister is on my list of one of my favorite horror films from the 2010s. And Ow. Jess, how do you feel about it? <laughs> <laughs> you think it's overrated. Yes. Yeah, I think this film is overrated, which is so funny because it's what's like what, four or five years ago when I watched this film and like texted to Kelly how I didn't like it. And I couldn't remember why I didn't like this film. So when I was like sitting down this week to watch it, I was like, oh, oh. I've changed a lot as a person in the last five years. Maybe, yeah. maybe I may right. like this film. Maybe yeah. I will see the appeal to it that everyone else loves it. Right. And then I watched it and 10 minutes into this movie, I was like, oh no, no, I remember why I don't like this film. <laughs> I do not like this film at all. It, it has its good points as... As I've grown a bit, there's some elements in it that I'm just like, ooh, I like this, and ooh, I like this, but then there's mm -hmm. just, like, elements in it that I'm like, mm, I just can't get on board with this film. I don't understand. I also don't understand how it is in the top 50 highest-rated horror films the scariest film of all time yep. in 2020. I don't get that. I don't find this film <laughs> scary. <laughs> uh, okay, so your story around this film is that... 
Like, did you buy it? Did you rent it? Like, what happened with that? I unfortunately own this film, so <laughs> if anyone wants a copy of it, they can have it. Um, I own this film. I randomly... And I have my own copy. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was like my early days in um, getting into the horror right. genre, right? Like, I feel right. like back then I felt like I had to catch up, like, what, what was it, like six, yeah. seven years ago? And I'm just like, wow, shit, I've got, like, so much horror that I need to consume. I need to, like, yeah. catch up with everyone. Yeah, for sure. And... I would go to places like Odds and Sods or um, BMVs. Is it BMVs? Yeah. Or yeah. like a CD Warehouse or CD Plus and get mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. cheap DVDs or cheap Blu-rays that are like horror and Sinister yeah. was one of them. So I was like, right. okay, cool. Yeah. Everyone yeah. talks about this film. Everyone says it's so scary and that is up there with Insidious, blah, 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 blah. And then I watched it and then I was like, Kelly, I feel like this film is overrated. Um, for me I actually sat down and thought about this movie today wondering what my original story was my origin story for Sinister Mm. and actually I saw Sinister in the IMAX theater when it came out (gasps) oh wow yes yes this is one I saw in theater and definitely was spooked in 2012 when this came out um, and I loved it And I still love it. I've seen it probably like four or five times since I saw it in theater way back when. So this movie, which I looked up today, was written and directed by the same person who did The the Exorcism of Emily Rose. That's Scott Derrickson. And The Exorcism of Emily Rose is another one that I love and own and find. I find that one terrifying. Sinister doesn't scare me, but... Exorcism of Emily Rose definitely does. Different vibes. <laughs> yeah. Well, we all know how we feel about demonic possession. It yes. is a big no. Yep. Already, no. like, we go into a demonic possession film, Creep Factor is already up, like, five yep. for me. I'm just Absolutely. like, we're already yeah. here. Let's go. Yeah. So I agree with you. And that's actually a really interesting point that you said that directed by the same individual. Because yeah. I also own The Exorcism of Emily Rose. I also yeah. find that film very chilling and scary and everything yeah. all the vibes yeah. but yeah. it's funny that you mentioned that too because I was also when I was looking up some stuff about Sinister earlier um, interesting that it was also inspired by a nightmare by C. Robert um, so C. Robert Cargill had a nightmare that was inspired by The Ring the 2002 film mm. and that's how he ended up deciding to write Sinister which mm. I could see where some elements are but not 100% but, then, but I was surprised yeah. by that fact I was like really? The Ring inspired you to write this film? Okay, you need to go back and do some rewrites, though. And then maybe it'd be a better film. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. But jumping back with your scariest movie, yeah, in 2020, Sinister was labeled the scariest movie ever made via science. I remember when that that article came out a couple of years ago and people were very upset by it. (laughs) But then last year, it was dethroned by hosts. So... Uh, yeah, that, I remember when I saw that news, I was like, appropriate, I get it. But yeah, I, re- I definitely remember reading that article early pandemic days and being like, yeah. what? Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. No. folks, if you haven't heard about this, they did some kind of science experiment, probably not super perfect. Um, it was based like, upon the highest average heart rates of yes, 50 yes. viewer participants. Yes, exactly. Exactly. They watched over 100 hours of horror movies, and that's where it came from. You know, not a, not a perfect experiment design study, Mm-mm. but let's, you know, we can have some fun with it. So initially, this movie did spook me, you know, a okay, long yeah. time ago. That's like 10 years ago. 10 years ago, actually. Wow. 
Okay. A decade ago when it came out, uh, now not so much. There's the odd jump scare that I know is coming, but sometimes still gets me. Mm -hmm. So how about, Jess, you start with a brief explanation on why you think this movie is overrated and a couple of key things that you dislike about it. Oh, goodness. Okay, well, I was originally going to turn this around and be like, here's some of my likes first and then my dislikes, but I'll go into (laughs) my dislikes first. (laughs) All right. So there's three main things that I've broken down into Mm -hmm. why I feel this film is overrated and why I dislike it. Okay. Start with number one. Let's chat about that one first. Some of the movie elements. Mm -hmm. So, okay. There are elements in this film that I really like, and we can go and we can talk about that later. And there's elements in this film that I I very much dislike and find distracting. The overall score. So whenever we are watching the... Uh, Super 8 films, the found footage, yep. and we have that score playing over, it loses the f- the creep factor for me. I get distracted oh. by it because I'm just like, well, why is he... I'm like, is that music part of the actual Super 8 film? And right. that's like... And he's hearing that as well, and that's what's creeping right. him out? Or is that just the... And it's, it's just the, the cinematic element. Yeah. But then yeah. you see him watch it again later, and there is no music, and that yeah. scene creeps me out even more. I'm like, oh. So it's like, right. I find that really distracting, especially because over the years, as we watch more found footage films I'm like the less sound the better (laughs) yes no um I can understand that that is totally valid however one of the biggest things about this movie for me is the sound design I fucking love the sound design the score the soundtrack we have Oliver Oliver is like a long-standing metal giant they started in folk and black metal roots they're now very like ambient and everything which you hear in this movie also this band called Aghast that uh does they're the ones that do all of the the music in the uh, films in the super eight films and they're like this dark ambient spooky metal folks yeah it sounds so fucking cool and this movie overall is like very metal which i'll get into later but for me i'm the opposite i'm gonna absolutely disagree i understand why the found footage element i mean if i'm watching a found footage movie Mm -hmm. absolutely i want as little sound as possible because it doesn't make any sense there's elements in this movie absolutely that i could understand that if you have a hard time suspending your disbelief it's not going to work for you yeah and that's i think one of the elements that you kind of just have to just forget about it because also who's filming these yes aspects of it are filmed by the children yeah but there's other aspects that who else is is bagul doing it again you can't think too much about it yeah i agree and now that you and you bring up the point like that was the and that was the only thing that really distracted me right because right. i do like elements of the score and like yeah there was a moment where you don't hear it and then you hear it again and it's quiet yeah. and you hear it again you're like oh like I yeah. like that because I've heard that yeah. in other horror films where it's like this really awesome soundtrack yeah. and then it's quiet a bit and then the yeah. ants up that fear. So I just feel like it was overused too much for me. Gotcha. Let's talk about the films themselves because this movie opens yeah. Okay, yeah. with like the main death, the main film, the Super 8 film of the, the death where the family moves into the house. And these are spooky. These oh, yeah. films of the deaths of these families air is spooky as hell this movie overall is very dark it's macabre there's some there is a lot of darkness and intrigue in my mind in these these essentially snuff films folks and Mm -hmm. that's spooky it's a kind of yeah it's dark and disturbing those films like they look fantastic it's grainy it's 
I love how it's shot with like minimal light. There's just like usually like a flashlight. It plays in our fears of like fire and drowning and hanging, pain, death. Like they are dark. Well, it's like that juxtaposition between like a moment of pure joy and bliss with this family. Absolutely. They're unaware of what's going on. They're yeah. just being a family. And then the next cut in that, yes. uh, that those films yeah. is like the brood, their brutal murders. You're like, oh my yeah. God, who is yeah. filming this? And why are they filming this? And yeah. all these questions go in your mind. And I agree with you. That is one of the things I like about this film. Right. Is yeah. just how those films come out. They're crazy dark. They're crazy brutal. And they're yeah. very, you, you definitely get a very occult vibe. They're all mm-hmm. very ritualistic. Ritualistic. Yep. In their yep. murders. Yep. So like, and I will say, my favorite, like, like I said, there's elements where I feel like this film is overrated and I don't really like it and I wouldn't myself go and watch it again, but there's elements that I do like it. I like yeah. the last 20 minutes of this movie because mm. of how super dark and grim it gets. I'm like, yeah. ooh, yeah. yeah. Especially yeah. when we get into the Bagul and a little bit of his folklore. I'm like, ooh, let's yeah. do a folklore treatment of the Bagul, everyone. I would watch that. <laughs> ooh, like a folk horror. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. I would absolutely do that because Bagul, I think, is such a fucking awesome creature design, demon design, Give me the eater of children, please. I love the makeup design so, so mm-hmm. much. And Bagul is metal as fuck. Like, yeah. this movie is metal. It's Bagul is a metal demon. It's just very me. And, and this is what I mean. Like, there are elements to this film that I'm just like, if you played up this element more, right. it would make yeah. it a better film in my mind. And I remember right. saying, like, one of my, like, final thoughts was, like, take this script and just like readdress some of the holes and like amp up some of the more other elements right and take away from my biggest dislike of this film and we will be it will be great i (laughs) I would be on board right so make a completely different movie with bagul yes exactly (laughs) which is folk horror realm you can add some metal in there right somebody make it everybody watching and listening (laughs) filmmakers listen to us how about that should have been the sequel and not what the sequel is? I've Just never saying. seen the sequel. Have you seen it? You don't it? need to. Yes, okay. I have. It's fine. <laughs> don't need to talk about that one. Anyways, what's your next dislike? Tell me. Give it to me. My next dislike is the lack of character development. We mm. know very little yeah. about this family. I don't yeah. even remember the wife's name. Um, and then I end up having problems with her throughout the film and her decision making and her constantly mm. forgiving a very manipulative narcissistic man and Mm. that and I just wanted more of the family and that's what you said yeah Yeah. so that's my okay so very little character development of like interesting characters even the officer who I end up liking when you kind of think of him as like a dumb kind of like he's just like a deputy so and so deputy so and so he's all but he's actually intelligent and he's like calling out Allison on certain things I'm just like ooh ooh I want to see more of what he knows There's more of him in the sequel. I only watched the sequel oh, one. Okay. There's more of him in the sequel, but I feel like the sequel is super cheesy. But okay. um, yeah, there is more of him. I, you know what? Again, I can definitely understand that. I can forgive lack of character development for all of the other things that I love about the movie. Um, the spookiness, the ghoul. And I'm going to come in with the super nerdy thing of cinematography and the usage of color. <laughs> All right, do it. Yeah, explain to me, because there's a lot of darkness Ugh. in this film, and then there's, there's like a darkness. moment of light. Oh, <laughs> there's, this movie is so rich in the usage of color. The house itself is beautiful. The dark woods, lot the navy blue walls. There's a lot of using complementary colors, colors of blue and orange. A lot of that. 
Orange is representative of warmth, happiness, and youth. Blue is melancholy, calm, isolation, passivity. Um, so, but blue and orange together are complementary colors. And I got this because I always go to Studio Binder. I love Studio Binder for learning and looking up stuff about usage of color in film. But the use of complementary colors like blue and orange, the goal of using that color palette is to create a visual life in the frame. Okay. So having this richness of this maybe underdeveloped family Mm -hmm. juxtaposed with the grainy, macabre darkness of these films is just very, very striking to me. And there's a lot of long shots, sorry, wide shots. And I just think this this movie is so stunning. It is beautifully, beautifully done. And I am a big fan of movies that have very rich cinematography and details like that. Just different aspects of using light. Like there's certain elements and certain times when Ellison is watching the films and there's like the odd lighting in the room. You can just see like all these shadows and just like a glimpse of the side of his face and he's drinking. It's just like everything is just very meticulously done. And I respect and appreciate that so much, so much. It is a stunning, stunning movie. Yeah, definitely. There was an element in the film where you're watching throughout it. It's very dark, a lot of darkness and stuff like that. And there's that one final scene where, in my mind, Ellison has his realization that he's been endangering his family the whole time where he's been sleeping on the couch and he wakes up and he's like shined by the sun and be like, hey, realize that you've you've been living in this darkness this whole time that you've been endangering your family. Get the fuck out. And yeah. leave. Yeah. So that was, yeah. I remember that putting that out really as an element of the film that really yeah. struck me. I was like, okay, yeah. is this, you know, Ellison coming to for a moment? Yeah. Which I like ignoring the harbingers of death that keep coming scorpion, <sighs> a snake, and the Rottweiler. <laughs> right? Like, like just hello. <laughs> so many red flags, and yet he ignores every single one of them, which leads yes. me to the biggest dislike of this film, and that is Ellison as wow. a person, as wow. a character. As he is just the worst. Wow, the worst. Wow, scathing review of Ellison and his cardigan, man. I remember when I first saw this film, I was like, ooh, I like that cardigan and stuff like that. But I remember, but that it was, but the way he treats his wife, the way he is with his family, he is just so fucking selfish. And how he doesn't tell his wife that they've moved into the house where an actual murder (laughs) was committed. And he keeps. Actually, not in the house. It's still a murder scene. That's something you tell your wife, especially when she's like, hey, remember last time you moved us closer to the murder scene before? Remember the hell you put us through that? Don't yeah. do that to us again. Promise, I promise. And she always believes him. And I'm like, stop. Yeah. He is he is a narcissistic. He's a path. He's a liar. He's lied to you so many times. And like, mm. he is obsessed with his 15 minutes of fame and recapturing that because yeah. of his Kentucky yeah. blood days and that success. Yes. And, but he keeps yeah. saying, he's like, no, I want to give voices to the survivors. I want it. But he keeps saying, like, yeah. I can bring us in money. I can do this. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. This is this is this is the whiteness of true crime again. Here it is. Yeah. We have a white man writing yeah. about true crime saying he's giving voices to the victims, but yet he's yeah. profiting off of it and that's all Absolutely. his main goal is. Absolutely. So. I can definitely understand that. Um I don't dislike Ellison. I actually have some form of sympathy for him, particularly okay. when there's the big blow up. Absolutely, you should have told your wife you moved into a murder house. Absolutely. 100%. I don't, I believe in explicit, honest (laughs) communication. Would she have said yes? No. And that would have made this different. You could have moved into the same town. Whatever. It's dark. It's very disturbing. Would I moved into that, would I have moved into that house? Absolutely. 
Should you have told your wife? Yes. But there's the big blow up when she is reasonably uh, upset about uh, moving into a murder house. However, there is a moment when he is trying to poorly explain his reason for doing all of this. He's like, this is my legacy. I could go and edit textbooks and shit like that. Essentially, no, that is very degrading work for somebody that is a writer. That's not the work that he wants to do. And she's like, we are your life. Your kids in this marriage are your legacy. And this is your life. We give your life meaning. And I was like, bitch, no. I don't agree with that either. Yes. Bitch, no. I understand his desire for something beyond his marriage and beyond Mm -hmm. his kids. That is just one aspect of his life. And I know that, like, I guess, yes, Jess, you would understand this too. But I just was very adamantly opposed to that woman in in that in that moment. Cause even though I think Ellison is going about things in the wrong way and not communicating effectively, I understand where he's coming from. He wants his life to have more than his home life. And that is not something to be frowned upon. That is not something to be shame ashamed of because our lives do exist outside of the home and our domestic sphere. So I, no, bitch, no. <laughs> no, I, and I completely agree with you because I've had my own experiences with that, with being like, no, children should never be your legacy. And I kind of had a, like a ha-ha moment at the end when it ends up being his daughter, Ashley, you know, spoiler everyone, killing yep. him. Oh, and yeah. yes, she absolutely. goes with Bagul and it's like, yeah. okay. And I remember having the thought being like, okay, well, your legacy will carry on because there will be a book written about you and about this weird disappearance of your daughter. Yep. And like, you know, so there's yep. your infamy now. True crime. People are going to gobble that up. They're going to love oh, yeah. that. So and you, you become got a, that... <laughs> you become a victim in your own story. Absolutely. Exactly. So and I yes. agree with that. So it's just yeah. like I remember being like, "That's a haha moment." But I agree. Children shouldn't be your legacy, you know. And if he wants, and I would have been more on board with Ellison as a character and looking yeah. to be able to find some sort of sense of self in, in his work and stuff like that. But like, mm-hmm. I feel like the script needed more work in the decisions that he makes to really make it a better character development for him because you don't, like, I don't feel anything for him throughout it and I just get angrier and angrier with Mm. every decision he makes and and he continues to make things worse in the situation instead of just being, like, open, honest communication. Mm -hmm. And then when it goes back to that conversation he's having with his wife and he's like, Mm -hmm. I could bring money to support us. I'm like, dude, I get it. But at the same time, too, though, like you're profiting off of true crime. And mm-hmm. this is something that is a problematic industry within itself. Yeah, so absolutely. We have a whole episode on this, folks, yeah, exactly. on the Scream <laughs> franchise. So if you want to learn more about that and our thoughts and feelings, go check that out. <laughs> yeah. So I just feel but like. Absolutely. Yeah. I just if the film would have changed his motives a bit, like maybe if you right. realize and you get that more like folk ritual aspect, then I'd be on board with it. And that's actually something where I think this film would have done two things that I really liked that this film did really well and I wish I had gotten more of was the children mm-hmm. so I love it that it ends up you finding out that it's the children conducting the murders that is yeah. grim that is yeah. like Absolutely. I remember when I first saw that I was like oh oh my goodness that yeah. is that is creepier and I wanted to see yeah. more of the creepiness of the children being amped up I feel like we get these weird moments with them throughout the film but nothing really yeah. kind of adds up so I would have loved to see more of that like gradual progression with the mm. children um experiencing more of the mental instability and then I also feel like the film itself changes tone and mm. then when it seems like Ellison himself is, is kind of starting to lose some of his mental imbalance I feel like yeah. I, there's points in the film where it kind of feels dreamlike when he's walking down the hallways and they're so really yeah. long there's a lot of hallway shots yep 
Absolutely. Mm, mm, mm. And I can understand that because like if you're living in a home and you're trying and you're surrounding yourself with evidence and trying to get yourself into the minds of both the murderers as well as the victims. Mm-hmm. That, and I so I love that element of the story. And that if they could have amped right. that up just a little bit more and made it less about the money and more. But like he's like trying to absorb himself in these world right yeah. yeah no that may that makes sense that makes sense the instead of us speculating the reasoning why he wanted to be in the murder home mm-hmm. besides the mm-hmm. obvious of being close to where it happened instead of speculating how about we just learned that all again all comes back to script script writing and character development so i get that again i can forgive it but i can understand why one would not forgive it if they're watching a movie that they want to be engaged with yeah and i think that's where I uh, where I am with like uh, I was gonna stay Stir of Echoes, but that's only because <laughs> when I finished Sinister, I was like Stir of Echoes is a much better movie, and Kevin oh. Bacon is much nicer to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree on that, <laughs> definitely. Right? But I, I I agree with the points that you're bringing. That as the film as an aesthetic, the film as like a film visually is wonderful. Visually has a lot of wonderful things, and I wish they would have more. But like it, yeah, for me, I can't get past the script. I can't get past the dialogue at points. Because I feel like there's so much richness in the plot that could be further explored. Like I said, you're, we said earlier, Bagul is a really interesting character, and I think if we do a folk, if someone did a folk horror treatment of that, of the Bagul, and like really amp that up, I would watch that in a heartbeat. Mm, all right, all right. Let's see. Were there any moments that like you felt spooked, or you were? Have you never been spooked by this movie? Oh my goodness, I love it because I actually have a gotcha, a got me moments that I put out. Like I actually okay. the moments where I jumped, and there's three moments in this in this <laughs> film that they got me the first time, and they got me a second time. Yeah. Uh, Trevor coming out of that damn box. Oh my god! <laughs> yes. When I saw that for the first time in the theater, I just about died. Yeah. I think oh, my soul left my body quickly and then came back in. Yeah, yep. I rem- like I yep. remember seeing it for the first time and it nope. got me. And the second time when I saw the box, I'm like, okay, I know the kid's going to pop out of the box, but I forgot how it happens. And I was like, nope. oh, no. It's uh, all contorted and weird and screaming. Absolutely not. If you've learned anything, I do not like contortioning. Contortionists, yeah. body yeah. doing weird things. And kids have like the weird, like spindly little bodies because they're children. So no, thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. Yes, no, that was yuck. Yeah. Um, the other scare for me is the one video with the lawnmower mm-hmm. when <laughs> yeah 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 that's and then fair. when you see the bagul for the first time mm. so those are my three got me moments that's that's great I really love the moment at the end when the uh Allison's little girl I forget her name Ashley thank you and Ashley like tilts her head and then like bagul's behind her <gasps> mm. so good (laughs) and I think that gave me a start when I first watched it as well it's so it's so good I'll throw out a dislike um I dislike how much of the kids we see actually at the end I wish we saw less of the kids because you know they don't they don't look too creepy like I love a spooky child and evil children which I think they all don't have souls anyways so it's fine (laughs) but I wish we saw less of them because also their makeup, I'm not a fan of. Like, they don't look that great. So, no. Like, I, I, yeah, I wish we just saw them less and maybe just show them to me in the film at the end that Ashley is making that we're seeing yes. up on the wall. Just so we know, like, yeah, was a this children is all our- along. It was a children all along. Here we are. This is, we're all a big happy family now. 
that is great. But I wish I saw them a little bit less. Like, I really don't like the scene where her Ashley's face pops out. Sorry, not Ashley. Oh, Lord. The other missing girl's, like, mm. face pops out from the darkness. I'm sure that's yeah. a big jump scare that would get a lot of people. It didn't get me. But she just doesn't look very good. Like, it's just not, I don't like their design as much. They just look like they're dusty. And I'm not, my one dislike is that I don't really, I don't like the, I guess it's two show the children less and change their makeup. Yeah, the creepy children, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Creepy creepy children is generally a plus. How they were used, minus. <laughs> it's interesting that you say that because one of the things that Sinister received criticism for was its use of jump scares as well as a lot of horror c- cliches, which are very apparent throughout this film. But when you said... Um, all the things that you were liking about music and cinematography and atmosphere and direction and acting are all things that Sinister received positive praise. Absolutely. That's where it shines. <laughs> I can understand the things that you're saying. Absolutely. But I think other all of the other aspects that I have brought up, the cinematography, the usage of color, the legend of Bakul, how Bakul looks... Uh, yeah, some of the jump scares are a little cheesy. I think some of the kids look a little cheesy, but again, I can forgive that for being such a well, a well-created, good-looking, atmospheric horror movie. Do they disuse Vincent D'Onofrio, an incredibly brilliant actor? Yes, but I enjoy the fact that he is there in a really, like, little cameo role. I'm yeah. happy that he is in this movie. Happy. <laughs> I guess I'm just not really a huge fan of those films around that time, because it's interesting enough when someone, when you had made the survey in our um, coven about yes, no, and someone had yep. said, you know, usually people who don't like Sinister are, like, insidious and this vice versa, and I'm actually not, neither, not a fan of either of them. I remember watching Insidious and not really enjoying it as well. There were some elements of that film. I was just like, hmm, that's not, I don't find that, I don't find that scary or. That's fair. Yeah, we did. I did a Twitter poll and a Facebook uh, group, our coven, and everyone loves this movie. So Jess, you are wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yet again. And yet again, I guess. (laughs) We're going back to the prom night versus Hello, Mary Lou prom night too. Your opinion's wrong. My opinion is wrong. Well, there are no wrong opinions. We all have different opinions, and I am just not a fan of Sinister the film. (laughs) Okay, final thoughts. Wrap up your case. Why do you think Sinister is an overrated horror movie? I think Sinister is an overrated horror movie because it lacks severe character development and also makes Ellison a very unbelievable and frustrating character to watch him go through this whole thing and miss so many really cool things in this film. And I just feel like if this film went back and was either remade and emphasized more of Bagul and played and really just changed up the character development of Ellison and made his decisions and everything more believable or his pursuit in his goals in life then maybe I would like this film. But I feel it's overrated just because I just can't get past Ellison as a character. (laughs) And there you go. And I love and champion Sinister for many reasons. It is a beautiful, stunning horror movie, atmospheric. It is a spooky murder mystery playing with horror and true crime. It has incredible sound design, incredible score and music used in it. This movie is surprisingly metal as fuck, okay? Bagul is this really refreshing, wonderful, spooky, macabre demon and creature, and I just can't 
can't not love those films of the the murder of all these families. They are so, so, like I said, so macabre, so dark. It just overall with all of those elements makes it, I think, a standout movie, a standout horror movie. And that's it, folks. There you go. Where do you all stand? You know, definitely hit us up on social media. If you agree, disagree, like, dislike, whatever, you know, let us know. Um, But yeah, that's it for this episode of Spinster versus Spinster. And I guess we'll see you folks next time. Don't know what we're doing, but we're going to do something again soon. (laughs) Until then, guys, stay creepy and watch more horror. Bye. Bye.